0: Welcome to the mini break, your date podcast for the biggest storylines, results, and controversies from the tennis world. Today is Wednesday, July 20th, as promised. It's a two-mini-break Wednesday for all of you listeners. Earlier today, I offered some observations on some of the trends that have emerged on the ATP and WTA tours throughout this 2022 season, but something we have not yet done this week. A, offer you all our favorite episode that we do each and every week here, our editions of Tennis Point. Tuesday, where we're joined by my guy, Nate Walrath to break down everything happening in the tennis world. I promised we would have that podcast for all of you listeners today, and joining me on the show to help me deliver on those words is the man who joins us each and every time we record one of these episodes. It is indeed my guy, Nate Walrath. Nate, welcome back to the Mini Break Podcast. How are you doing today?
1: Fantastic, my man, and I'm just happy to see one of my closest friends in tennis, and just in life in general, start to kind of get a taste on the big stage. Tennis channel welcomed you in, got you out there on the call, crushing it. And I'm, I'm happy for you. And I know that you're, uh, you, you worked your butt off to get to this point and well-deserved. Kudos. I am,
0: I'm very sunburnt right now, but I am blushing. I appreciate you saying that. And this is something we have discussed off, Mike. I tell this to Chris Hallioris as well. He would never listen to an episode he's not on. So I don't mind saying it on this podcast. Since <laughs> I left college... I mean, the older you get, the less opportunities you have to make new friends, dare I say, in life. And we're really getting on a tangent here. It's good to see you. Always great to have the chance to chat. I would put Chris Hallioris, John Parsons, Gil Gross, Nate Walrith on the list of close friends I have made since graduating college in 2017. And again, I am well aware of the fact that I would not be having these opportunities this week at Tennis Channel without the support I've gotten from you from Tennis Point. Just again, you believed in us since the beginning, and I am very appreciative of that fact, appreciative to all of our listeners who tune in day in, day out. Before I get teary, though, uh, let's get to the tennis that we have to discuss this week because certainly I have enjoyed the opportunity to broadcast players like Dominic Team, Roberto Bautista Agut. I have to give a shout-out to my birthday twin, Juan Pablo Varias. And I begged our TC producer, not actually, Actually, but I, I pitched this idea. You tell me, good or bad idea, Nate. Would this have been worth the 10 seconds or the two hours of effort it would have taken to make happen? So Juan Pablo Varias, who's currently 7-6, 6-all, I believe, against Roberto Bautista Agut. They'll play that breaker tomorrow. The match stopped in Gestad due to rain. He and I have the ident- have identical birthdays, 10-6-95. And so my pitch to our producer was to make a graphic And just do a a pseudo-life comparison of, like, what I've accomplished versus what he's accomplished. Like, no Cincinnati appearances for him. Three Cincinnati appearances as a member of the press for Alex Gruskin. Like, three Grand Slam main draws for JPV. Zero Grand Slam appearances for Alex Gruskin. Like, one club tennis national championship. Twelve
1: Davis Cup victories. Like, we start comparing. Start breaking the tape down, uh, BG style. I want to see like you know the the, the who has the, back the Yeah, <laughs> give us the check boxes. I need three three checks for for Grand Slam appearances. I need for Gruskin. So here's I the thing. I need the full breakdown. You
0: would have laughed because you know. Tail the tape. We, See, the whole friend pitch was just a setup for me to make this pitch to you. So we've come full circle here. You would have laughed if they did that for like Russ Thaler and because Russ Thaler and someone has the same birthday. Would you have laughed for the ten seconds? Would it have been worth the graphic? Uh,
1: just, just because I know you, I, and like I think your listeners know you, I think you let your personality show. People are gonna find the humor in this. I think you gotta get your editors. I, I know Westhoff's probably like getting made off the podcast. But hey, full on my behalf, full send.
0: Yeah. All right. Nate's but, giving us the green light. You can let us know at AL Gruskin. You can let Nate know on Twitter as well. Would that have been a good idea to have a graphic Gruskin versus Juan Pablo Varias? But uh, of course, again, part B, we wanted to have you on this show today because each and every week on these Tennis Point Tuesdays, we like to set the table for what's in store on the ATP and WTA tours. Of course, we always start out the show with a quick recap of the week prior and our topic du jour from last week. You were Team Max Cressy. You said going into last week's podcast and on last week's podcast, by the way, super producer, Danny Westhoff, give him a round of applause real quick as we're doing this or some sort of conquering hero sound effect. You said Cressy was going to have a big week in Newport. He wins his first ATP title. How are you feeling, my friend?
1: I, I That was probably my favorite prediction. I think that was. <laughs> like we, we've all hit. Everybody hits every once in a while and everybody likes to talk about when they hit. But like, you know what? Cressy came up a tough, disappointing Wimbledon. And I was like, There's no way this guy's going to go down on his – this is kind of like his turf. This is kind of his surface. His playing style was built for this. I I had a ride on the American. I had high hopes for him going into Wimbledon. I didn't get too down on Cressy. I was like, this guy believes in his stuff. He might have had a bad day. Trust the serve and volley. He goes in, wreaks havoc, wreaks, wreaks a bunch of havoc, and comes out with a massive win. Apparently, Booblick said he got lucky. I guess my prediction was lucky, but it is. <laughs> Booblick, I'm a Bublik, I'm a King Booblick fan. That was pretty. That that sounded pretty salty. I don't know how that that was kind of a tough look. It it was funny.
0: You mentioned being correct on Cressy. I'm going to give a shout out to me because on you know all of these. I always joke with my dad because I'll always be giving him a hard time, and I'll go. You know, I go. I'm always grateful for you because you had me, and I'm the real superstar <laughs> here. Um, and you know. Shout out to me on our 2020 national indoor broadcast. I made a throwaway comment that I got some heat from at the time. That's why I remember it, that Will Blumberg could sleepwalk his way into the top 100 of the ATP doubles rankings, back-to-back titles in Newport. I'm rocking the North Carolina hat. I went into the tennis channel studio with my three peat national indoor shirt from the women. Shout out to the North Carolina program for sending that gear. It was a great week for college tennis players. Again, Cressy wins the singles. Johnson and Blumberg win the doubles. Johnson and Blumberg, Stevie J, two of the 10 best. Nah, putting Will top 10, it would be an argument. I would do it. I mean, Stevie's number 1 uh, of of the century in men's college tennis. They win the doubles title. Again, Max Cressy's story was riding the bench his freshman year. Still believed he could be the number 1 player in the world even in those days. I do think he's burned some bridges along the way, Nate Dog. I don't think he. I think his approval rating amongst players is lower, is in the lower fifty percent of players in the top one hundred. But I think his that's approval hot. rating amongst fans is over ninety percent. It's captive. exactly that's so what, captivating,
1: that, and that's what matters for his for his bank account and for his best tennis. That's what matters. Like mm-hmm. I thought, his reaction to that title showed me almost as much as his play did. Like he was not overly impressed with what he just accomplished in a week at Newport. Exactly he was,
0: it. You nailed it. Sorry. Go on.
1: No, that's just like right away. I'm like, Oh, that's a guy that's going to win again. Like that was like, he didn't fall down. He didn't over, like act like overly exuberant and do some crazy, like go hug all like, he's just like, this is just a part of my job. I got to keep things moving. I just be the guy that I'm better than, or he believes that I'm, he, he's better than he did. He, his formula works and works at the highest level. I was proud of Cressy to break through. I know we've been talking about him for a while, and just to see him at 25 or whatever he is right now kind of hit that moment, and it really didn't – it looked like it meant probably more to you and I. I'm, like, I was cheering. I was going crazy, like, than it did to himself. He's just going to kind of keep the train moving, and that's just another college tennis player that we can see at the highest level of the sport. 19 that's, and I'm 16.
0: No, 19 and 16, but when he plays his best – He's going to frustrate every opponent he comes across because the confidence he plays with, he sticks to his guns. I'm going to serve in volley. I'm going to hit the chip and charge. I'm just going to make you miserable, particularly on these grass courts. You're not going to get any sort of rhythm. And, you know, with uh, Cressy being... Uh, you know, in the rankings, you mentioned 28. I think Max Cressy right now in the rankings. Is he all the way up to 28? No, that can't be right. Right now in the rankings, 33. No, uh, new career high. Okay. That's what I was saying. But Wow, 33. That's
1: still, no, I mean, I didn't think he was even that better.
0: That. Points race this season. And again, Max Cressy overall 19 and 16, according to the ATP website. Cressy's 24th in the points race. Fritz oh. is the highest, has accumulated the most points of any American. He's ninth. Opelka's 23rd. Cressy's 24th. Cressy's been the third best American, at least in terms of accumulating points this season. Max King Cressy. Like, uh, I just, again, if you follow college tennis, like we do here at Crack Rackets, his rise has been one of the most remarkable things I have seen in my decade of following the sport, I like to think as closely as anyone in the world. Because again, rode the bench his freshman year. He played Carter Lynn. I believe it was Carter Lynn. UCLA played Michigan round of 16, 2018 NCAAs. It's the first NCAA tournament I ever attended. It rained like crazy round of 16, so it got moved indoors. When that match was outdoors, you looked at the Cressy-Carter-Lynn matchup, and you thought it was a win on the board for Michigan because it was like, okay, Cressy can serve, but that's really it. Like, the serve and volley wasn't what it is now. If you hit any ball to his forehand, he's going to miss. Like, yeah, the backhand was always solid, but to see what he has become, I mean, again, he's fourth on the ATP stats leaderboard in hold percentage. It's Kyrgios, Isner, Opelka, Cressy. Like, it, the American's he's so 25. Amazing. He just turned 25. Like, yeah. the, he's, what happens when, if he learns how to hit a forehand? Like, you're in trouble because
1: he can move. Uh, it's just remarkable. And all of this goes to, I mean, we've been traveling a lot with our tour and talking. I've had the chance to talk to a lot of these awesome coaches in the Midwest right now. And you're kind of like, I like the pick their brains on what they're looking for in the, on the recruiting trails. And kind of like my whole thing is like, who do you take a chance on? What type of player are you taking a chance on these days? All of them have said something similar. They all want to take a chance on size. Like you can take a chance on a guy that has some size with a serve. That guy can, you can, it seems like that that guy usually hasn't peaked yet. I feel like Cressy is that perfect example of like, that's a guy that like didn't have the goods that didn't seem so at least early on in college, but if you have some of the physical tools things can, can click in the sport a little bit later. We've seen it with other guys like R- Ben Reithhoven. Um, We saw it with Karatsev last year. And it, it happens, it seems, more, op- more often these days with just, I don't know if it's the, like with Cressy it's you can't teach 6'6", six, six, but um, it's just the, the, the power game is in. And Cressy's his physicality, uh, what he presents is a problem for, for all these top players.
0: Yeah, it's really fun to watch. And again, to your point, What was so impressive about Cressy's run last week was just how routine he made it look. Like, he looked at Kruger, Stevie, Isner, Bublik, and thought, I'm better than you. And I know that's an intangible thing. You can't measure. But just look at the relentlessness with which he executes. you got to be confident to pull that off. He is. He earns a victory. You know, last week was fun. Bernardo Pera has been bad since 2020 2021 and she wins her first WTA title last week into the quarterfinals I think this week as well she's catching fire there are a lot of interesting players heading into the North American hard court summer now of course before we can get to any of those tournaments we have just lots of clay this week on the ATP and WTA tour and again we want to break all of that down for you on today's podcast before we do that You knew we had to sneak in a little tennis point, love. And, of course, again, I would not, would not have the opportunity to be here in LA this week broadcasting on T2 without the support we've gotten from our friends at Tennis Point. We were just a ragtag group, you know, these three guys who like to mess around and do all these different tennis things and this local Midwest company called Midwest Sports embraced a local Midwest tennis media group in Cracked Rackets and now you guys have become Tennis Point and we get the chance to do some really cool things now at Cracked Rackets (laughs) and that's a testament to your support from the start and you guys have been supporting tennis players everywhere by the way with your equipment the best equipment at the lowest prices with all of that said nate dog sorry i didn't mean to cut you off there let me show you some love all right let me i am going to cut you off let me show you guys I, some love I, no go ahead
1: I, I appreciate it but i think what we all shared was a, a love for tennis and a a wish to grow this game and i think that's where we are alliances we're, we're, we're pretty uh much the, much the same and that's why it's been so fun to be a part of the crack racket's uh partnership but uh, yeah. I mean, you've had back-to-back good news. Tennis Channel this week, last week, Madison Keys uh, grass court event in Iowa, uh, or Idaho. Uh, Iowa, Iowa, Iowa. So big, big weeks for a big couple of weeks for, for cracked rackets, but tennis point guys, like Ruskin said, we do have some awesome stuff available. Uh, a lot of new launches with the new Adidas tennis, uh, U S open series. You guys have seen Dominic team and Hugo Gaston playing against each other yesterday, both repping the new shorts. And, uh, it's an interesting design from our friends at adidas the girls as well i think it's an awesome collection they've kind of uh, they're pretty they're, they're both similar and then the nike collection uh, another uh, it's called the I think it's the victory um got the drive Fit victory and the heritage logo as well so check out the latest from adidas and the nike teams and be on the watch out for a couple of our family videos we did one on the onyx family we did one on the technofiber family we did one on the babolat and we've got to knock out the head one so be ready on the uh social media platforms if you guys are into racket reviews
0: yeah love to hear that and of course again it's the summer months. It's hot everywhere. We're hoping you're staying cool. Maybe you're listening to this podcast as you do cool off. But with those conditions, dress appropriately. Obviously, hydrate appropriately first, but make sure you've got the gear, whether it's the shirt, the shorts, the shoes, the socks, the strings, and racket. You need to succeed in these weather conditions. All of it available at tennis-point.com. All right, with all of that said, Nate Dog, let's get into this week's events, because there are a lot of good ones on the schedule, and of course I've had the chance to watch some of the action unfold. Let's start in Hamburg. Always love a good dual site event. And in Hamburg this week, we've got both the ATP 500 and the WTA 250. Let's start with the highest level event on the board, the ATP 500 Hamburg event. You always got to love an ATP 500 clay court event snuck into the calendar after Wimbledon. Now, I have no issues with that because there are why do we play Indian Wells and Miami after the Australian Open if after the Australian Open comes the French Open. You're allowed to play around with different surfaces in different parts of the calendar. Now, the idea of playing, you know, outdoor hardcore tennis in November, like good luck doing that in Europe. That's just not going to happen because of weather conditions. But in the summer, you can play around. So why not play around the ATP WTA tour schedules? Do just that. That said, do you mind the tra- where are you you know again that's my opinion that's me editorializing there is a case to make certainly and Nick Kyrgios likes to make it why not play on a single surface it's also the idea of look we're going to get to the hard courts in a bit you know we can have this little two week respite which camp are you in
1: I think if you had asked me this question 2 years ago I would have felt differently but I think after you know playing on a clay court more frequently myself and then hearing from more players, I guess, and co- coaches and stuff, I think the clay court tennis, I think, for one, it's easier on these guys' bodies so that they can – it's easier for these guys to kind of hold up. It's not as much of a pounding on your on your knees and your joints as the hard courts are. I think that's one plus. And I think the the point play, I think it, it allows guys to play a style of tennis that – you can't play on other, other um, surfaces, so I think those are the two benefits. Obviously, it's kind of weird that these guys—the next slam they play will not like—it's not like a tune-up event per se. But I don't think playing a, a, a ATP 500 event is going to worsen your tennis at, on a different surface. I think you see these guys make these adjustments pretty regularly, so I think I, I'm I'm good with it. I mean, it's not like I'm not in clay court mode, but then I turn on the tennis, the level's pretty damn good, so I'm
0: I'm, I'm all in. After five weeks of grass court tennis, the physicality of red clay, clay court tennis is very refreshing. There is no denying that. And I talked about this in my early observation podcast, but players like Baez, Sarandolo, Molchan, and, you know, all the Juan Pablo Varias, even another name drop for him, or obviously the names we already know, Davidovich Fokina and Musetti, these young clay court guys who had been establishing themselves at the challenger level over the past 18, 24 months, the physicality they play with a is exceptional. B is now present at these ATP 250 500 level events. And it is delightful to see that on the men's mm-hmm. side, on the women's side, similarly to see, you know, some of these events and we haven't had the plethora of highly guy, yeah. well we just haven't had the same quality of fields in my opinion on the women's side these past mm-hmm. two weeks that we have on the men's side and part of that's because Iga Svantec so far ahead on this points leaderboard has played 50 matches already this point of the calendar why would she play these events when there's absolutely no reason for her to and on Jabor you know she's coming off of a final run no need to play these events it's nice to see konteve Krachikova two people who need match victories on the board Board, but a the WTA level events are 250s this week. The men's, uh, you know, there's a 500 men's event. You're just going to get better quality players if more points are being offered. It's still high quality tennis, which is the thing that's most important to me across the board. Is we're getting a lot of good matches, a lot of upsets, that parody, we continue to stress on this podcast manifests, it, manifests itself. Excuse me, in all of these results, and with that in mind, again, let's get into this Hamburg men's draw. Pretty loaded as we look and approach the round of 16 quarterfinal action. You know, we did lose some seeds early on, but I thought each of the seeds were outplayed. And I don't think many of them played particularly poorly. You know, you look at a guy like Talon Greekspor, who has won, what, nine challenger titles now or something crazy in the last 18 months, made multiple quarterfinals on multiple surfaces at 26 years old, has solidified his spot in the ATP top 50. He was just stronger, hit the ball a little bit bigger, was a little bit more decisive than Holger Runa in a 7 6 7 5 victory. I thought Emil Roussevori just is in the midst of a breakout season and knocked off Diego Schwartzman pretty definitively 7 5 6 4. There's been some Schwartzman decline talk in some of the circles I run in and it's not something we like to say out loud because his approval rating again one of those 100% guys amongst fans what's the case for disliking Diego Schwartzman if you can make it justifiably there's a spot on this podcast for you on tomorrow's episodes at AL Gruskin let me know because I'd love to hear it um (laughs) <laughs> Alex Molchen, who's made two ATP finals on clay courts this season, he beats Carreno Busta six three one six seven six in a hundred four degree weather today in Hamburg. That was a big opening tangent to you, Nate Doug. Take it wherever you would like, but really the question I have: Have there been many upsets like in Hamburg? No, I think the level's just been high
1: across the board. I- I would say Krajnovic beating Baez on clay is an upset, but not after Baez's last week that ex- kind of took a lot it's of a uh, loss, legs from him, right? Yeah, I mean, yeah, he lost his legs. And he also lost seven, six in week. the third. He had a match point too it's I like guess the, the guy, guy Krajnovic, yeah.
0: who's really, whose career, whose career best surface is clay courts. Like again, Krajnovic, a guy who you 100%. look for him, yeah, multiple finals on clay courts in his career at the ATP level.
1: So, no, I, I would say that was the only one just because I I was being selfish and I wanted to see Baez versus Alcaraz and just see the physicality that those two would bring. But outside of that, um, I mean, no, you saw Karatsev just absolutely bullied Bessie Asvili. That was a uh, – that was a just – some of the shot-making from Karatsev still just blows my mind. It's just so casual and the no celebrations are just – and then Muzetti, obviously this is his, his most comfortable surface. He kind of comes and uh, – he struggled on the, on the on the last swing on the grass court swing, but huge win over Russo Vori. He's got a big matchup with Falcino, which I'm really excited about. Two guys that so, have uh, the wheels. Sorry, go ahead. Two guys that they have the wheels. They have the wheels and the gas tank to last, and they're both gonna. They're not gonna bow out of long rallies. They're both gonna stay in there and just watching those guys work their patterns. The one-handed backhand versus the athleticism from Falcino on his backhand. That'll that'll be pretty electric.
0: Yeah, the thing with uh, again, and I, I apologize for interrupting you there. Uh, you know, it's your
1: show, man. I'm just, I'm just together.
0: <laughs> no, that's very kind All of right. you to say. Um, you know, the thing with Lorenzo Musetti, and we were having this debate myself, producer Michael Haston, Gil Gross. I wanted to bring this argument to you as well. Does anyone win the highlight reel more than Lorenzo Musetti? Because his on the run one handed backhand, I mean, Gasquet him, like, that's the list. It is more beautiful than what Roger Federer does out there. And there is so much fluidity and athleticism in everything Musetti does. Now, again, the forehand needs some work, but when he's hitting the forehand well, I mean, obviously he's made a quarterfinal at the French Open already in his career. Now, it's been tough for him since then, but round of 16 at the Madrid Masters, he goes and plays the four-league challenger, goes and wins it, you know, I, a tough first round draw for him in Citzy Pass, round one of Roland Garros. But even that match was a five set loss for Musetti, and Musetti was up two sets to love two in sets the match. To love, yeah. You know, he he just turned 20 years old this March, and yet, are you by? So, where are you? Stock up, stock? Where are you stock wise? Where would you put Musetti? You know, is he in the Demon Hour tier? Is he a tier below that? Like, does he have He's top that, 25, top right? 15 upside? What are you seeing?
1: I, I don't like, I don't feel comfortable betting on his upside on the hard courts right now. I just think he needs time. Um, he's got a little bit, like in that in that regard, I had the same concerns with Pass when he was young. He ended up making a good adjustment and he kind of tinkers his forehand to get over the top of the ball quicker. And the backhand, he can shorten up the swing a little bit cleaner than Lorenzo. I think Musetti is going to be a hell of a clay court player the rest of his career. I think hard court, he can be a top 60 player. I don't foresee him being a, a contender ever on the grass, whether that's at a 250 event or 500 event, or let uh, alone Wimbledon. But I think Mozetti is going to be firmly in the top 35, 30, just because of how good he is on clay. I think a, that's such a big part of the season that he'll, he'll have results on clay.
0: Palindrome of a stat for you. He's 26 and 16 in his career on clay courts at the ATP level, 16 and 26 on the other two surfaces. I mean it's his ability as a returner he just has that much more time to swing through his backhand freely on these clay courts and when he's swinging through that one-handed backhand freely it looks exceptional he can play the drop shot he's comfortable moving forward as fluid of an athlete as you're going to see probably you know again in the davidovich Fokina, demon hour mold uh in terms of just going to track he probably
1: is oh i think he's so fluid as a mover on, on on
0: the surface on this I, surface in particular. On this
1: surface, okay, yeah, yeah. Falkina is, yeah, Falkina might have him by a hair, but I, yeah, I think that's that's fair. But I think that's the, conver-
0: I think he hangs out in that group, the, in that conversation. He does. The, the,
1: I think that, sh- the, the, against Lyovich, he had those two uh, overhead returns, and then the third one, the, the rope backhand on the line. It's like, that's what he, I mean, the shot making, the defense, he has, He's he's got a lot of game, especially on the surface. And well, if he can become a top 60 player on the hard court, he's going to be in the top 30 for Tennis Whatever. Tennis Tell TV me.
0: had a Musetti-gasm today. There were, like, four posts from them, different one-handed backhands going down the line and on-the-run forehand magic. Even the match point against Rusevori was special. I mean, yeah— the shot making is excellent. He wins the highlight reel. But it's the consistency point in point out. It's the first serve, you know, he's holding just 75% of the time I believe in his career at the ATP Tour level, uh 76.1%, excuse me, the average of a top 50 player is 86 uh, 82.5%, excuse me. So he's 6% you know behind the standard top 50 player. The break percentage on clay courts is elite, 29.3%. It's 22.3, uh, 22.1% though overall. Again, I, the, the dip just massive for him on the other surfaces. And with the serve not being the elite weapon that other players who don't return well on faster surfaces have, it's an issue for him moving forward. That said, I always, and the forehand's a little bit big. And certainly on a faster surface, it gets exposed.
1: I, it's, a hard, it's hard for me to erase. I know it was in Phoenix and it was after maybe Indian Wells. But Wolf just ripped right through his forehand, and it was like I didn't think that match was going to be as ugly as it was. And Wolf just destroyed him. I'm like, if he can't, like that's that's the thing, adjusting to absorbing that type of pace on a hard court, it's going to take some time.
0: I love it. Couple other takes for you from Hamburg, Alex Mulchen, the 24 year old, going to be 25 this yep. year, Slovakian, 7-6 win in the third over Pablo Carreño Busta. He's just a disciplined Hugo Gaston. Like again, instead of the drop shots which he has in his bag, he likes to play the loopy top spin shots, going to change direction on you. Spread the court so well. He did such a good job, not only of finding the Pablo Carreno Busta backhand, but keeping Carreno Busta honest. By if Carreno Busta was keeping cheating over, going down the line with his forehand, taking the backhand early on the rise, cross court, just to pressure Carreno Busta a little bit. I mean, you look for Molchan again. He's made two. Finals this year at the ATP level On clay, Marrakesh, and Leon Lost to Goffin, Nori, respectively Each in three sets, he's at a career high Inside the top 50 He's been great uh, I also wanted to give a specific shout out To Francisco Sarandolo Who, just to win at, uh, the you know In three sets after winning your title The week prior, could have quit after losing that first set 6-2, he didn't, shout out to him for the Three set win, last one For you, Max Hans Rayberg 18-year-old German, remember the name. He was up six-three-four-two on qualifier. Joseph Kovalec, the 29-year-old, John, you know, John McEnroe calls everyone a journeyman, he, to call Kovalec a journeyman. I mean, he's not a journeyman. He's just a grinder, through and through, going to grind you down physically. That's how he beat Rayberg. But oh my God, does the 18-year-old Rayburg have racket talent. And he doesn't have a big challenger result yet. He, I think, just won his first Futures final either this year or in the past 12 months. But keep your eyes on Max Rayburg. He was up a set in 4-2 playing just unbelievable tennis. And then he just, you could tell literally after he broke for 4-2, you could see it in his face where he was just like, nope, I'm out of gas. Like, this is, I I don't think I'm going to get over the finish line. And unfortunately, he couldn't. But that's just the sneaky guy. How well he hits his forehand, you know, just the feel he has, the craft. It it's Kozlov with weapons. Like it's just Kozlov with a little more juice. I'm telling you, and you know that's my bandwagon. Hits the backhand so
1: well. So he's. He, I, I just look at his height. He's six six foot tall. Does he have? He has more. He has some weapons up.
0: Just. It, he's got that special contact point. You know what, when you yeah. see it, where it's just like, oh, yeah, that guy can hit the ball. Like, that guy should have a tennis racket in his hand.
1: He, he, he has <laughs> That's that. That's the truth. And so, like, yeah, go F- ahead. Fognini is another guy that is in this draw that has that. Just like, you look at him hit the, strike oh my the ball, God. and he's like, yep. that guy's ball striking is out of this world. Yeah, it's, it's just like, like it's him and Fernando Gonzalez. Like, yeah, no, Borna, guys- Chor-
0: so Borna Chorich, who reaches his first quarterfinal since 2021, his backhand's fluid. His forehand's so mechanical. Like, you can just tell it's been worked on, and he's had to discipline himself to make that loop and that stroke pattern. Literally, Max Rayberg looks like he was handed a racket, and he was like, Okay, I'm going to hit the forehand like this. And I think I should step in sometimes on the backhand, but other times I'm not (laughs) going to, and it's going to be fine. And, like, again, you just can't, you know it when you see it. We both watch so much tennis. You know it when you see it, and he's got that it. That said, we have not talked about top seed Carlos Alcaraz, who has a fifty two point seven percent chance of winning the tournament according to tennis abstract, drops a miserable uh first one. set before earning a one in six second and third over Nicola Kuhn the- uh, qualifying uh, the wild card excuse me he's got Krayanovich up next uh, Andre Rublev today cruised to a victory over Ricardus Barankas who probably felt the effects of the 100 degree degree heat more than anyone in my opinion you could just tell you know 4 three, third set uh second set it just he was out he just was like I got you know. Barankas I...
1: looked he, he looked old he looked old today. Yeah, for sure. Uh, how, how about uh but Al-Karez. Well, so my question to you, your prediction. Almost losing
0: to Kuhn. Yeah.
1: Almost Kuhn was on one leg. Yeah, I mean no, uh,
0: Alcaraz played poorly.
1: You know, so I, I'm still gonna take um Alcaraz to win this title. I think that once he overcame that hump, he's gotta get some momentum behind him. He is comfortable on a clay court. He just has kind of getting back to the surface. I think he's gotta be the guy that I, I don't I can't bet against him in this draw. I, I think, think he's got the weapons. He he just has to play like a B plus level tennis to win this.
0: No, it. I mean, again, we haven't talked Fonini, hatchanov That's a. That a, would a, been a really. A- a- you know, minus a- game wins this. I don't know if I've said this on the pod. I might have already when I did my quick run through yesterday. You know, Fonini fell out of the top fifty this year for the first time since 2012. Like, wow. He spent a decade in the top fifty. He's 34th in all-time prize money. 34th. Now he's not the 34th wow. best men's tennis player of all time, but yeah. he's made like 16 and a half million dollars. Like. Shout out to I, you, no, Fabio, probably, Fabio. He's doing it right.
1: I just don't know if he's like. I can't tell if he's healthy. I've heard those rumors about his ankle needing surgery, and he's tried to forego it and kind of rehab. Is he a top, trust. top?
0: Is he a top five Fabio of all time?
1: Gotta be. Like the, the, combined with his, like he, he, yeah, he's got the. Who's his sponsor? Armani. I th- well, so there's Fabio. You.
0: you know that Fabio, right? Like the Fabio. Fabio. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. We, it's funny because I don't think – I mean, I think both of us visually could identify Fabio, but they'd be like, where's that from? And all we would be is Fabio. Like that's all I – <laughs> yeah, and it would just be like that's all I know about him. That's all I got. <laughs> He's number one, but like – what Fabio's, else like these guys in the tour? That's total? what I'm saying. You win a Masters title, you're top five, Fabio, in my mind, certainly. Yep. So again, I hope he beats it, I,
1: I would like to he see. He looked Kat, good, uh, Carlos.
0: Yeah, Davidovich person. Fokina looked good. Everyone left has looked good. So you know, again, even Daniel Galan, always dangerous. It's this is high level play, 500
1: level it, event. It, 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 it is. So I'm who like, you got? you think Al- I'm taking Alcaraz. Like, do you think Alcaraz has to play his best tennis to win this? I I don't. I think he has to play pretty freaking good,
0: but. <laughs> If Rublev just, if Rublev stays this disciplined, he has to play at least B plus tennis. At least yep. B plus.
1: Yeah.
0: I mean, Davidovich Chalikina is dangerous. they are there really Rublev, good guys left. Rublev, I
1: don't Rublev know is he, just Rublev is just still stiff when it comes to the, the front court, in my opinion. And like he's not going to punt like unless he's cracking winners from the baseline, which for him it's hard to do on a clay court. Like um, uh, like on a hard court, he just can hit blitz guys off the court. On a clay court, it's tougher for Rublev to hit his flat strokes and get guys really uncomfortable with that, or as left as Alcaraz. Yeah, majority of the guys are even top 20, but like Alcaraz is a different beast, and his ability to play defense and redirect and absorb pace and hit the drop shot and make guys like Rublev uncomfortable. I just, I just. I'll take I'll take
0: Carlos. I guess my argument would be that I just don't even know what a B plus Carlos Alcaraz performance looks like yet. Like at, at the top it's of really my mind, Rafa against Rafa. 60 percent. Well, against Rafa at Indian Wells, it was so windy though, so I don't hold that performance mm. against him. The only time I can discernibly be like Carlos Alcaraz played bad was against Virov at the French Open this year that's yeah, what I that was but okay. that wasn't a b plus that was it like is that his B plus like that's what I'm saying that, what was that was plus that was that was b plus, that? That was, that was b plus. That are we was sure b, Or was b that b, b minus that was
1: probably, it wasn't it, it was just, like he never plays good, bad yeah.
0: like yeah that yeah, first round match was like one of the first times he's played bad and so yeah. that's why that I can't say much. b plus is good enough to do it but I would also pick him to win because Have you not watched tennis this year? Like, he played a bad match. It's probably not going to happen again. Um, And so, that said, very fun men's draw uh, over in Hamburg. And Alcaraz, by the way, minus 150 to win the tournament, according to our friends at DraftKings, 53.7%, according to our friends at Tennis Abstract. With that said, let's flip gears, talk about the women's action in Hamburg. Some very important storylines, I think, have to be monitored with this week's action. A, Annette Conteve has, and this is a rough estimate, 6.2 billion points to defend over the final three months of this 2022 uh, season. I mean, after the run she went on at the end of last year, what was it? 20 plus consecutive match victories, or certainly sniffed around 20. Um, She needs wins, and really, since Doha, I mean, she's had COVID, she's had injuries, but there hasn't been a significant run for her. She's made now, with her quarterfinal here in Hamburg, it's her second quarterfinal since the end of February, and for someone who's currently ranked number two in the world, obviously, that's just not going to cut it. Now, you look for Conteve, I thought today was actually the first time, you know, I've seen her play well in quite a bit of time, in a win over Rebecca Peterson, straight set win for her over Barra. There's some momentum, finally, building for Kanteve, who now faces Andrea Petkovic next, 2-0 against her in her career head-to-head. That side one of the equation. Part two would be Barbara Krejcikova, who, you know, again, in terms of—and she's dealt with so many different injuries this year. This is her first quarterfinal this week in Hamburg since the Australian Open. First quarterfinal since oh. the Australian Open. Again, she's going to play oh. three matches in a single event— I guess she did it at Wimbledon as well, but like you know, again, it's now two of her last three tournaments she's earned multiple wins at the event. She was ranked as high as two in the world at the start of this season, has fallen down to number nineteen. But I mean, if you use your eyes, you know, she was one of ten players last year to be top twenty in both hold and break percentage. She's just so efficient in everything that she does. Right now, Tennis Abstract says Kantave has a thirty-three point two percent chance of winning the event. Then they say 13 thirteen six, who's on the bottom half of the draw and played exceptional in a in a victory over Daria Kasatkina in round number one. Followed it up well against Pagosi here today. Who who's the the more fascinating storyline to you right now? Or I guess who do you view as a bigger threat right now, Contevay or Krachikova?
1: Krachikova. I just I just trust which. She does well, especially on the play court. Um, I, I think Conte, like, did we, did Conteve already peak? I, I think so. I thought that was like a huge season and I, it's just hard to sustain that level. And I, with her, it's like, you have to, your weapons have to be on. With Krejcikova. like she just has more variety in her game. And if her plan A is not working, I think her plan B is just better than Conteve's. I think she, what, she can rely on more things and there's, there's more, Uh, answers to problems that are out there on the court. I think that's kind of what sets her apart from Comteve. But obviously both are very talented. I'm rooting for Comteve. I think she could be a great face of the tour. I just haven't seen her put anything consistent together this season, which maybe she gets it back, but I don't feel like her movement on clay is as, as impressive as Kretchenkova's as well.
0: So much of the success of both of these players last season was the physicality they played with. And just, again, the lack of weaknesses. They use their physicality. They use their lack of discernible weaknesses to just overwhelm opponents over the home stretch. And look, if, yeah, when you're not 100% for four months, four plus months, like both of these players really haven't been, it's just going to be hard to find that physicality once again. That said, you know, Krzykkova right now, 20 you know both of these players born december 1995 these are they're the poor man's andy murray novak Djokovic, krachikova is born april 8, uh december 18th 95 Contave december 24th 95. i'm two months older than barbara krachikova and annette Contave. sorry it's always about me though as you know folks that is <laughs> um, i say that too frequently now i think people think i'm i'm serious now when i say that you know what that's gone that's the last time you're going to hear that here on cracked rackets that's a lie folks that's what that was to all of you listeners um yeah, it's nice. Again, the big Mo would love to see them play in the semifinals because a win for either of those players over one another would be exactly the catalyst you need with Toronto or Canada and Cincinnati and obviously the open coming up over the next 6 weeks fascinating to watch these two face off that said how about Anastasia Potapova the young Russian seemingly finding her legs of late made a semifinal last week into the quarterfinals here this week currently at a career high number 63 you know Potapova's just turned twenty-one years old, and I think she's like, you know, again, it's like a Davidovich Fokina. Equi- well, not Davidovich Fokina, because he's already made a Masters one thousand final, and I guess Potapova haven't hasn't done the equivalent of that. But like, she's like a Lloyd Harris or like a Lorenzo Sanego. Where I'm just telling you, she is going to be in the top fifty for the next five to eight years. I like
1: it. I yeah. like that. No, I'm not. Lloyd Harris and Lorenzo Sanego. Not a bad it, It's more, it,
0: not by playing style, by the way, but by like rankings arc of when they're yeah, healthy, yeah. they're just going to Trage- be around.
1: Trajectory. Yeah. Um, My last take on Hamburg. First off, my prediction, give me uh, Kritikova. Uh, okay. I'll take, I, I think she gets back on the winning side of things. But I got to ask you, what are your thoughts on the Hamburg trophy? <laughs> you, you know what that is, right? No, what is it? I believe someone can correct me in in the DMs if I'm wrong, but I believe the trophy is the design of the match point, the last point. Like I think that pattern is how the point was constructed or whatever. Like, That's fascinating. Follows, I always it thought it was, like a, like, it was like a
0: it was like a cipher or um you know it's like one <laughs> of those.
1: I swore I read about this one time like a few years ago. I'm pretty sure I was. I looked it up. I'm like that makes a lot more sense. And now I'm with it. Nerd alert! My
0: dad is a huge Star Trek fan. Oh my god, mom, because my mom listens to all the podcasts, this is hilarious, <laughs> sorry, sorry listeners. First of all, hello, I'm sure we have spoken since you are listening to this, or since this podcast has come out, but if you can ask dad, because he'll never make it to minute 43 of the show, ask him the game in Star Trek, again, I warned all of you listeners, nerd alert, if you can ask him, again, hello, Good. you want to say hello to Dr. Gruskin? What's
1: up, Dr. Gruskin? Yes yeah, the see- great man.
0: Yeah, that's very kind of, yeah. Her sons, Eric and Nick, are excellent. Um, <laughs> ask Dad, the game Tuvok is playing Ensign Harry Kim in the series finale of Star Trek Voyager. And I'm sure they play it other times. But there's a game they play where you, like, pull a log off of a puzzle and then, like, the puzzle resets. And then you put, you know, and then you try and pull another one. And you're trying to get it into this perfect sphere or something. It's a game of logic. I forget what the game is called. But if you're a Star Trek fan, that puzzle board is what this trophy looks like. And trust me, <laughs> if you're a Star Trek Voyager fan, that sto- that minute and a half of minutia, you're dying with laughter. Because you're like, you're right, Alex. You nailed that comparison. One of the observers of our era. Um, but... Yeah, Mom, if you can ask Dad what that game is called, have him text me. We'll offer an update to everyone on Tennis Point Tuesday next week. I like the Hamburg Trophy. Bernardo Perez won nine straight matches. I don't think she's going to capture the trophy, though. Who are you going with?
1: Kachikova. Got
0: to. Marina Zinevska looked really good today. Marina Zinevska is a better version of McKenna Jones. Shout-out to the SoCal Pro I, Circuit. I, um, I, I wanted
1: to take Sasnovich. I just... I feel like that's a little bit bold. I, I, I got I, got a, I really want Sasanovich to win, but it's hard for yeah. It's Give me Sasanovich. I'm changing my mind. I want. I don't want to be a boring. I'll, give me Sasanovich.
0: Okay. Do I want to go? Sinjakova? No, cause she could play one bad match and it's over. Um. I haven't watched. I really liked what I saw from Contevae today, so I'm gonna go with Annette Contevae. And be boring, but, you know, sometimes you get to be boring. With that said, let's move on to our next event. By the way, Annette Conteve and Barbara Krachikova both plus 250, according to DraftKings, equal odds to capture the title, but let's now move over to the W uh, ATP side, excuse me, once more. Talk about the action happening in Gestad. Pretty nice draw for an ATP 250. One has to ask themselves, what were the appearance fees for top seed Kasparud, second seed Matteo Berrettini to lure them into playing the 250 in lieu of the ATP 500. Now, Casper is the defending champ, so it would make sense that the tournament would want him there. You can sell that as a package. Switzerland uh, certainly, uh, you know, again, offering wild cards to some home players, and Alex Richard, Dom Stricker, who are both exciting uh, for various reasons. Stricker, truly next gen in the sense that he is 21 years or younger. I mean, look. I get made fun of by our friend David Kane whenever I bring up Pedro Martinez-Portero, so I'm scarred from doing that. Good win for Jana Konifman. I'm going to be on the call for Casper Ruud, Yuri Lahechka tomorrow. I'm very excited for that. And look, Casper has got a nice chunk of points to defend right now from last season when he you know, became one of, I think it's like five players to win three consecutive weeks on the ATP Tour uh, in the past 10 years. There's a lot of juice in this draw. Jeremy Munar, always a tough clay court out. He's been killing it on the challenger circuit. Another guy you could throw in there with the Sarandalos Baezes when it comes to this surface. I mean, Dominic Thiem, finally earning multiple victories in multiple events for the first time in over a year. Juan Pablo Vrias, birthday brother, leading Roberto Bautista Agut. I love this draw. What are your thoughts? Who are you watching closely? Who you got?
1: The Dominic Team versus uh, Gaston match was that was pretty uh, entertaining. I must say, I thought I didn't think Team was going to find the physicality to match Gaston, who's obviously great on clay and was going to test the legs of Team with the drop shots and the, the lobs and just his style of play that causes so many problems. But Team is starting to find his legs again, and I know you asked me last week if he ever cracks the top ten again, and that I, I feel a little bit differently than I did last week. So I I think that's a Good sign for tennis, a good sign for team to get back, get healthy, and uh, find himself uh, back in the third round of a tournament, especially one that is a very solid draw. Um, he's been playing at the challenger level and now he's kind of upped his competition, and it seems like his play has come with it. Uh, like you said, you got the Lechka Casper Root match, that one should be fun. I think Casper like, has got to defend points, so I think he's gonna be motivated to play well and to find his game. And He's got university. what's a bigger,
0: I mean, Casper's forehand's massive. Uh, obviously on clay courts, I honestly think Lahetchka's forehand's not that far off. Like I really love the way Lahetchka steps into the ball. Any floater Rude sends back via a backhand, Lahetchka going to attack behind and move forward to the net. I- I'm fascinated by this matchup. I think I I think Rude's going to win, but I think it's going to be in the five and five variety.
1: Yeah, no, I think I, I think Lahechka and those guys. I think he has the firepower to match Rude. Rude's just got just the match experience and he's just this is clay this is where casper root has kind of built himself and why he is where he is in the rankings um but no it's a fun matchup and i just um with Berrettini coming back he found his level um before he had covid and it's i'm interested it's interested to see if he kind of picks up where he left off and Gasquet is not an easy customer on any surface especially on clay so that's another matchup that, that'll be an exciting one
0: yeah lots of juice on the board you know, again, Albert Ramos Vinolas doesn't lose before quarterfinals in ATP 250s on clay ever. Uh, you know, it's going to be nice to see Berrettini on the clay courts, and yeah, we've got a lot of names in mind. With that said, give me your prediction. Who you taking? You going with the big server?
1: Yeah, I mean, um, it's not the service I'd prefer to take him on, but give me Berrettini. Uh, I thought he really. Yeah, take,
0: I'll take Matteo. Okay, he goes Matteo Berrettini. Who who did you
1: think I was taking with the big server? No, Matteo
0: Berrettini. That was him. That's who I was suggesting. Um, I just don't know. Team has had... So, for every two points Dominic... No, here's the thing right now. For every two points Dominic Team looks excellent, there's a point where he makes it on forced error. It's literally like he'll play two fantastic points and then he'll miss the most simple of like inside in forehands and or he'll just like explode a forehand from center court onto court 4. Um I go Del Bonus. No, I'm just kidding. Um I think oh. Luna I mean Casparru the whole draw is brutal. And in that brutality you take the surest thing, right? The the most simple commodity. Which is, not to call him a commodity, but Matteo Berrettini, where you just know exactly what you're going to get with him match in, match out. And even though it's been about a month since we've seen him on court, he was so good in the lead up to Wimbledon. Unfortunately, COVID just kept him out of the tournament. Um, so I would love to see a Berrettini. I'd love to see, I, I, again, not from a fan perspective, but I would love to see him healthy and playing his best tennis. Because if he is, he'll be a factor in everything during this North American hardcourt summer. And the tennis world's a better place when everyone's healthy. You're taking Berrettini. I can't agree with you. Hmm. Not RBA. Do I think Rude's going to get through? There is some urgency here. Casper needs I, a good I, week. I think, I don't know, Rude is... Uh, well, who's going to beat him?
1: Ramos, I mean, he, no. He, you know, if he's not playing, is is a, a very good... If he's not in good form, Munar you know is dangerous. Like,
0: well, Munar, Lechecka, and I think—I mean—all those players. That's the thing. B plus may not cut it. I don't. Like, I don't think B plus. No, Casper Root is not that type of player. Where I mean, B plus game. Munar Rud, going to be three hours minimum. Like, start the clock now. Just put them on court. Um,
1: I'll go I don't Kasper. know what Casper has to improve on. Like, I don't think he can add. I don't think his weapons are going to get any bigger the rest of his career. I think Casper is. He's going to try to sustain this level, but I don't know if there's another tier that he gets to.
0: I mean, what tier is he now? Is he tier two or is he tier
1: three? Because he's, he's never going to be tier one. I agree. He's, like, yeah, he's not he's, a definitive
0: tier one guy. He, he, he just can't overwhelm team. you.
1: Yeah. On the clay, he'll go to the, to maybe to the second tier, but he sits pretty firmly in that third tier for me. He just collected so many wins. Like, I dude, think we've we...
0: done this segment already, but apologies. I've been getting up at 1130 p.m. to prepare for my 3 a.m. call times. Bigger upside to you, Rude or Rublev? Rublev. I mean, but Rude's made a Grand Slam final.
1: Yeah. No, I I think – no, I'm probably – yeah, I I love Casper Ru. I think I'm a huge fan. No, but this is what I'm saying is it's like, are they the same tier? It's hard for me to pick – it is hard to pick his game apart because he doesn't have like a glaring weakness. The backhand. His weapons are not big enough. His backhand steady though. Yo, you're right, but it's not a
0: weakness. But it's just no. like that's it's not, what you If a you have an elite, well, that's the thing. You have to be. He's gonna beat people. He's supposed to beat. Exactly. He's not gonna beat himself, and that puts you tier three minimum. The <laughs> question is, is his, exactly. is his, is his, you know, his, or do his weapon? We don't have to have the tier one, tier two, tier three debate. We're in mm-hmm. it now, but like his forehand on. Again, it's a righty version of like people want to make the Alcaraz Nadal comparison. In reality, the closest you'll get to a right-handed mortal version of Rafael Nadal on clay courts is Casper Ruud. Like just how they hit the forehand, the backhand, approach point construction. Ruud just does it from a righty standpoint.
1: Maybe Rublev te- never gets to a Grand Slam final, which is fair. But I just think like when I'm thinking of like ceilings and like single match, be, yeah. I'm thinking of like when you're redlining. What does that version of you look like? When Rublev is redlining, it is a higher level of tennis than when Casper Ruud is redlining.
0: Someone had to explain redlining versus treeing to me, and I officially felt old. Um, <laughs> yeah, with that said, I'll I'll go with Ruud. I'm going to take it. I don't feel great about it, but it's going to be a fun week of action in Gestad with that last, but certainly not least the action in Palermo. Now, it certainly hurt that top seed in 2022 French Open semifinalist Martina Trevisan pulled out of this event with injury. That said... I'm just saying it now. Upset alert. I think Diane Perry's going to beat Yulia Seva tomorrow. I'm all in on the former World Junior number 1 out of France. I just think her serve, her forehand, little one-handed backhand action. If you haven't yet, Nate Dogg, go watch her play because I just think Seva doesn't have the weapons to hurt her. And if you can't hit with pace – I mean, she'll hit with depth and height, and it'll be interesting to see how Perry handles that. But Perry's quick enough to run around that ball and play forehands. If she gets to play forehands – she looks like a top 50 player already. And did so you just call her you, first round match? I, I did not call it, but I watched her a lot. You know, she beat Krzykova at French Open. She earned another big oh, yeah. win at Wimbledon as well. I, I'm blanking over who it was against. I think it was against – let me look this up here. She beat Kenepi. That's who it was. In Hantama before getting knocked out by Jabour. I really like the game of Diane Perry. That said, I mean – it's fascinating. You look at the tennis abstract stats leaderboard. Caroline Garcia, who's on a heater right now. She's playing exceptional. Uh, she's 19.3% favorite. Then you've got uh, oh, Excuse me, Putenseva, 18.2. Cerebas Tormo, 16.3. Now, the only reason Garcia is favored over Putenseva or Cerebas Tormo is because they're both in the same half of the draw. You know, that said, Nate Dog, you look at this one. Who you got? Little Bronzetti, Cochiretto action. What do you think? Paulini?
1: This one's this one is a uh, I don't feel as good about this one that's for sure but give me uh give me Cerebro's ah yeah yeah or garcia's tall I like Gar- I mean garcia's been balling I-, I I like Caroline Garcia give me can I get both of them give me a tandem package you
0: know you can have whatever you like um yeah Evan uh, again, it's amazing what you do to wake yourself up at midnight when you're like, come on, let's get the body going. I'm like, I need I need Fergie 2004. Let's roll. Let's get it started. And ha. Um. Yeah, it's. <clears throat> Who am I going to pick? Who am I going to pick? Who am I going to pick? Do I go with Perry and just double down on the take? You got to double down.
1: At this point, you can't get off the ship that you just built it for yourself. I don't think
0: she's going to win the tournament, though. I think Saribas Toro could what, beat her. Why would she
1: not win the tournament? Does she not have the what? because
0: no, it's really hard to beat Putensiva, Bagu, Saribas, Toro, and then have to play whoever comes through that top half as well. That's just a brutal draw for her, and it starts you know, with the two seed this early. Mm-hmm. Um,
1: That's true. <sighs> you got to make your crusty pick.
0: Cochiaretto?
1: <laughs>
0: I like her game a lot.
1: Um, the Italians are – this is the Italians' tournament right here.
0: How did Caroline Garcia... She lost semifinals last week, right? Yeah, she lost Los sense I mean, ah, oh, but she played three sets first round. Cochiretto could freaking beat her tomorrow because a nightmare on this surface. Um, all right, I'll just go with... Perry, I'll double down. That's fair. I'm going to ride that take till the end. But of course, we'll keep you updated on everything that happens on the ATP and WTA tours throughout the week here on the Mini Break Podcast. And of course, always a pleasure to get the chance to chat with you, Nate Dogg. And I know you guys again killing it this summer over at Tennis Point. Anything's our our fans, our listeners should be in particular paying attention to.
1: Um, I would say, guys, for you top level high school and junior, or college players. We've got, we've done this similar tour all summer long where we've gone to the best ITAs um, all throughout the country. I would say, look at our August 6th and 7th event in Cincinnati. It's got prize money. We've got a one point tournament. We'll have music. It will be sponsored by Babolat. It's going to be epic. I would advise you guys to check that out. It'll be UTR um, points will be available and it'll be fast sets to four for singles. The doubles will just be a set to six. It's a team event, get your partner you play a set of you play a set of doubles to six once that's the once that's over you each split off and play the uh, that same team in singles first team to take two out of three takes the match it's got a little bit of that college dual format to it I'm hyped for it and I just I think if we can bring college tennis to the fans even more in that format that energy it's tennis will be a better place we're both going to be there
0: and it's going to be so exciting on the grounds of the western southern open a lot of great schools in action yeah we're pumped. We're, we'll talk about that more when yeah. I have a brain. When I have brain capacity, and I can offer the proper enthusiasm that I feel towards. Go get that some event.
1: sleep. You're in the big leagues now. You're on a uh, strict schedule, in so the um, big leagues. Always now. good to check in with you, my man. First and... of all, let's
0: hear this. You implying I'm in the big leagues now implies that this is not the big leagues. But the mini break podcast is the big leagues. Come on, Nate Dogg. This is that, we, yeah. we
1: talk about the big leagues. We, I we're... got
0: that's like an all. This is an all star game. You know, again, that's <laughs> that's the difference. This is the big leagues. Um. Yeah, no, I, I appreciate that, and yeah, always a pleasure to get the chance to chat with you. Always the pleasure of pleasures to work with our super producer, Daniel Westoff, who has a f- of an earning job to do day in, day out, making all of this content possible. Shout out, of course, as well to you all at Tennis Point. Remember, tennis-point.com, the promo code is CR15. With all that said two mini break wednesday in the books for my fantastic tennis point tuesday co-host nate walrith our super producer daniel westoff our friends at tennis point from all of us here at both Crack rackets and the tennis channel podcast network i'm your host alex gruskin nate what do we tell our listeners that's the break baby and we will see you all tomorrow thank you as always my friend
1: yep thank you